Welcome to the very first episode of Shred is Not Dead. Uh, if it makes you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. I'm joined today by Tony, the demolition man himself. Good Welcome. morning, good evening, good evening, good morning. Thank you very much. I'm glad it's the first one and I love the intro. Uh, the thank intro. you very much. Thanks. It's uh, Look, this is going to be a bit of a casual conversation. I'm not trying to be too, uh, you know, I hate those podcasts where you feel like you're being lectured at. Like I do enough. Of no, that absolutely. Uh, having a conversation is so much better. I'm a very conversational type of guy. Yeah, I do talk too much. So when you need me to shut up, you you, you can stand on me. That's okay. <laughs> No, this is this is your time to shine, mate. This is your time to shine. Um, so let's get into it. There's only black is dropping on the twenty third. That's not many days now. No, no, um, it's well, it's next Friday. Oh, you've you've got your copy. There we go. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So yeah, I had a listen to it. I've been I've been allowed to have a bit of a peek at it. It's very very okay. good. And the thing that. The thing I want to get onto the topic of is basically my understanding is when Venom Inc. started being a thing, there was the intention to play the classics, right? Yeah. Yep. And you had an album before this. So this is the second album now under the label of Venom Inc. Yeah. This one, I, I did like the first album. I went back and revisited yeah. it. I did like it, but this is a special beast for me. This is a good album. And I'm wondering amongst the band, was there a moment where it clicked that you thought, hang on, I want to do new stuff and we want to keep making new stuff and not just be a tribute to the classics. When did that happen or was it a... Progressive. Well, it, I mean, the idea, you know, we got asked to play uh, or I got approached for us to, would would we play uh, Keep It True Festival in 215? And then the, the guy who runs that festival said, listen, um, because it's you and Mantis, if Abaddon was there, you know, if he was there, what's the chance you would play four or five Venom classic songs just for the fans? Because it's a retro festival, they'd love it. And, and I was like, well, it's never going to happen because there's no way Jeff will do that and they hate each other and... Anyway, he he convinced me that I could make it happen. So I spoke to both of them and that was it. We, you know, that's what we did. We played our Empire show and then brought Abaddon on, played five songs. Everybody went crazy because, oh my God. Yeah. And um, that was it. It was like, pack your bag, go home and see you later. We carry on with what we're doing and he goes back to whatever he was doing. But it didn't happen like that. You know, um, um, I had some shirts made just for the event with Venom Incorporated. It, it came out Venom Inc. because the guy said Incorporated is too long. It, it, it messed with the image. So I've just made it Inc. because that is Incorporated. It's like, oh, OK. And so it was kind of all a fear to complete. You know, before we, I mean, I think about three weeks after we did Keep It True, we, we just, we're just doing five songs. We were in China and then Japan. And then we came to Australia, then we went to South America, then we went to America, then we went to Canada, Europe, and it was like, wow, and it just never stopped. But again, the idea was to just, um, was, uh, one second. Yeah, no problem. Hello? I'm, I'm just, hello? Someone trying to get in. Um, um, uh, yeah, so the, the idea was to, I just thought, listen, let's just, play for you know 12 15 months we'll just play songs the fans want to hear so it wasn't about going 
you know, we're only playing the stuff off the first two albums because that's how we're going to make some money. And it wasn't about like, you know, it was for me, it was just about it. it, it we would, I would ask the fans and if they said nobody ever played Manitou, we'll play Manitou. You know, oh, nobody ever played the B-side of Bloodlust or this or what. Then I played the B-side. That was the whole intention was to give an opportunity. If, 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 if fans couldn't see Mantis Abaddon and Kronos together, then you could still see them. You could go and see Kronos, but you could also come and see Abaddon and Mantis. You didn't have, okay, I'm driving and I have to stand in while people throw bricks at me because you're not a singer, that, whatever. <laughs> but for me, it wasn't about that. It was about the music. You know, 40 years later, they don't own the music. You guys own the music. The fans own the music because you might listen to, you know, when was the last time that this guy listened to that album? Probably 30 years ago when he finished recording it. When was the last time you listened to it? Last night, last week, the day before? You know, it's it's that. So the music means something to the fans. And I wanted to give an opportunity to deliver that. No intention of an album until uh, Chuck Billy from Testament and John Suzula, who I got in to help me manage after about 18 months. Because I said, man, it's just too much. I can't do everything. Uh, and then they said, you've got to make an album. And I didn't want to do that because then it becomes a, a different thing. It isn't just playing songs that people want to hear and just, you know, reminiscing or enjoying the music that they never heard live or they might not hear live. It, it, it became something else. And so I didn't want to do that. thought it would cause problems, which it did. But I agreed and, and, and we did the album. But even the first three songs is a demo that me and Jeff did we sent to, uh, they said, which labels make a list? And I said, there's only one name on the list, Nuclear Blast. If they say no, we forget it and we move on. If they say yes, we continue. And uh, I, I kind of secretly thought, ah, they're going to say no anyway. But they said yes. I was like, oh, fuck's sake. So <laughs> then, it become very, then it become very real very quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but we had, you know, when we did Arvi, we had time um, because there was a schedule we, we had to deliver by then. The artwork had to go by then. It was going to release by then. We then go on tour. So kind of we we made sure it was quite um, you know systematic how we work. Whereas when we did this, there was a pandemic, you know? So it was like, we could be here forever. <laughs> we don't know how long. And I didn't want to put, it, put anything out that we couldn't tour because mm -hmm. if it's three years before we tour, well, that's an old album now. We need to put a new album out. So I wanted to keep it. So we just thought, ah, fuck, we'll just take our time. And we wrote 24 songs with total freedom. We didn't think about Arvey. We didn't think about anything past. We just wanted to express who we are now, the way we feel now. And that all came out. And so it was quite an exciting record from that point of view. Yeah, and you can definitely feel that... Uh that excitement. And uh, another thing I was thinking that I wanted to discuss with you um, that I noticed is whoever your production engineer is or mixer and master, uh, I hope they got a crisp pat on the back. It's a beautiful sounding record. Uh, the, the vocals really cut through, the drums feel punchy and alive. They don't feel that, you know, a lot of death metal now is clicky, 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 clicky. With yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the guitars strike a really nice balance between being sort of bright and 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 raspy and but not too muddy. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm patting you with all these compliments is I'm going to throw a curveball at you that a lot of people splits a lot of scenes down the middle, and that is 
when it comes to genres like black metal, thrash metal, um, some people love good production and some people swear it has to sound like it's been recorded on a toy microphone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Venom's a band and Venom Inc. now have straddled sort of both sides of that. And I was wondering if you could comment on that at all. No, I, I, you, I mean, wonderfully listened to because uh, Mantis did the production on this. And on Arvi, we had a, a guy, Kalia, who's an engineering friend of ours, a German, who came over and helped. And I was there as well. So we, we kind of put that together. And on this, Jeff had, was kind of solo, if you like. So he did exactly that. He he stepped off, uh, the cleaned the guitar a bit. Because, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, how do you get that sound? How did you get that sound? And, and it's no mystery. It's like, uh, you know... Uh, a, a chorus, a bit of distortion, and a Marshall. That was it. Plugged in and played, uh, the, and the chorus with the bit was a boost pedal, just a boost for the soloing. So there wasn't a lot going on, and not a lot again on his on his guitar. It sounds like, that, but it's stylistic. It's how he plays the the the, the thing, the open chording, and and so, uh, and of course C tuning, C C sharp. So those things contribute to make you think there's more going on, but this time you wanted to just pull it even more back. And the same with the bass, we took a bit of the growl off. So there was separation. So the instrumentation of everybody you could hear, Mr. Kling recorded the drums in his studio in Tampa where he lives. And um, basically Jeff said like, you put, you do your drums and mix them the way you want them. Then I'll slip them in. So, it's how he wanted to have them sound. So we didn't overproduce him. We didn't overproduce any one of us. We listened to Samzo and yeah, that sounds good. Let's go with that sound. And I recorded all the bass here, sent them to him. And then, you know, I put my growl on and he said, I'm going to pull that back a bit. It was like, okay, let's pull it back. He did the same. So it all came, it was so natural. But everything that you said, I'll pat him on the back from you. Because yeah, everything excellent. you said is exactly what we did. It's exactly what we did. And the fact that you could hear that and you you said it so superbly, bang on, bang on, absolutely. And I, and I think that's it. I think, you know, we are about that. Same thing lyrically, you know, it's like um, uh, to have a title that evokes uh, interest and in, in stimulate you to go, I wonder what they're trying to say. And then not be able to hear what I'm singing, even if you could read the lyric sheet, if there wasn't one, but uh, you know, that's great. It's it's from an energy point of view. I understand it because a punk, I go and see shows and, you know, get kicked the fuck while I was just losing my mind. And it was about getting the energy out. So as long as the chorus, I could jump up and shout the rest of it, whatever, just like, let's go, let's go louder, louder, faster, more uh, chaos. So I understand about that, the death metal, but um, if if I want to steer something, if I want to convey an idea, um, I have to do it lyrically. Mm. I can't do it just musically. I can evoke an emotional feeling with the music. You know, it's fast, it's slow, it feels sad or whatever, but I can't get any information to you if you can't hear what I'm singing about. So to me, that's important. And that's uh, that leads nicely to something that I also had a, a big first impression on is the title track. And I think a good album, if you're going to put the title of the album as a song title or in the lyrics, it's got to hit hard. And I think the title track for There's Only Black really did that for me. Um, and I think, you know, religion, nihilism, the paradox of life is meaningful because it's meaningless. That's sort of stuff you touch on and, and it's been a common theme running throughout 
metal a lot. Um, yeah. And without, you know, again, a good artist doesn't really give away too much of the meaning behind the thing, but is that, that something you think uh, we as a, a society, for want of a better word, are grappling with at the moment, maybe in a I different so. way to when black metal started? No, I think so. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, I, I think the fascination of the thing, you know, the, the, the whole idea, you know, the whole idea of church burnings, for example, you know, the, connected to Satanism and all of that. Uh, of course, that imagery was to provoke, to provoke, mm. to provoke the norm, you know, uh, um, and, uh, and to, you know, if controversy is great for selling vans and ideas and stuff, of course. So, um, you know, but the whole idea of the church burning thing was more about the, we can't have our paganism. We can't have what you class as being, you know, so we can't have our gods. We can't, we're going to buy into this other thing, which, which is controlling, you know, and, mm. you know, it's very anarchistic, you know, why they stormed the Bastille or why Oliver Cromwell chopped off Charles's head and, and formed parliament. You know, it's, it's when you get to a point where the people want to revolt uh, and that's okay. So they were young kids into metal and you could blame everything. Maybe the power, the music empowered them to, you know, for mayhem to go and do those things. Maybe the music empowered them to do something they may not have done in their normal life. Um, so can you blame it? Well, well, you know, blame's a strong word, but certainly it inspired them to want to have a voice. And that was the idea, you know, to not be norm, to not be mainstream, to to have your voice. And that's the whole idea of the underground. I mean, everybody begins as an underground. It's like you go from wearing your blah and your all of this and, and you know, doing all of that. And then you're at a party with a with a, a white shirt on and a waistcoat with your glass of champagne. Okay, so at which point, you know, are you, you know, you start to denounce what you did before because now you're a serious artist or something. It's like, right, okay, how do you go from that? To, I don't know how you, you know, certainly for me, and that happens, that's selling and that that's money and that's when you're moving into that corporate way of looking at it. But for me, it's about music is your soul. It's who you are, you know. <laughs> when I when I joined Venom the first time, people say, "What's it like to step into someone else's shoes?" I went, "I never wear another man's boots. I only wear my own." And it's like, you know, I'm the same person I was then that I am now. I'm just older, more wrinkly, but I'm still the same, same, you know, uh, vitality. I still love the same, you know, and, and music still excites me. Metal music in particular, and meeting people. So it's like, you know, if you're honest to who you are, you progress through there. I think the difference. With with the, the the way we are now, particularly with the black metal thing, it's moved. You have some extremes, of course, and then you have some modifications to appeal to a bigger audience, and so it's kind of smoothed out in places. And and uh, and you still have those nice pockets, but I think for us, it's more uh, we've realised the provocative nature of it is now um, balanced before the reality. Uh, and the reality is uh, that we are good. We are evil. You know, there's a woman who lives next door. She's struggling with her shopping. She's in her 60s. I just run out and go, fuck. She didn't ask me to. I run out and say, I'm going to give you a hand and I help her. Uh, the guy next door 
who's in his 40s, doesn't really say a lot, but he's just parked in my parking space. What a twat. What you <laughs> wank, you fucking arsehole. And I'm the same person. I just helped her when she didn't ask me to. And he just parked it, maybe by accident. But I'm like, look at that wanker. He's done that on purpose. How, why has he done that on purpose? Maybe he has, but I don't know that. And I'm the same person. So we've had that, you know, you wake up one morning and you're like, hi, mom. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's great. How are you? Yeah, I slept well. You wake up the next morning. You don't want to talk to anybody. It's just fuck off. You know, why? Yeah. You're the same person, but it just depends on how you're feeling and, and, and that involvement. So that's always interesting for me, you know, is, is the humanity in it all. We create it all. We make choices and then we create it. And, and uh, you know, with religion and stuff like that, you can blame something else for the good things or you can blame them for the bad things. But actually, maybe you're the causality in everything. So, you know. And viewer interpretation comes into it a lot there as well, doesn't it? Where if you're looking for something to be evil or a, a pain in the ass, more than often you'll find an excuse to be able to blame it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another nice uh, lyrical theme that sort of this album touches on a little bit is not being able to actually turn around and, and look back at yourself and try and, you know, what is it I can blame on myself here? The perspective, you know? yeah. A responsibility, yep. you know, it's responsibility. If if you look at, you know, you've got a three-year-old kid and uh, you you come into the room and he's pulled all those glass shit things off the shelf and they're all smashed on the floor and he's standing there and it's all around him and it's just him there and you go, what did you do? And he went, it wasn't me. That's the first reaction. You go, of course it was you. He goes, yeah. I, I didn't do it. Because we, in, we, 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 we have a, a response immediately to blame. It's like, I'm going to be in trouble if I say I did it. So even though you've got the gun and you've got the bullets and the guy's there and it's, you go, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It's like, oh, stop it. How many people <laughs> go to court? Nobody goes to court immediately for anything and goes like, yeah, 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 fair enough. Yeah, I'll do 40. Yeah, it was definitely me. You know, it's very rare that that happens, you know, and it's why you get, when that does happen, they think, oh, they're psychologically disturbed. What? Because they were honest? Because and if they weren't psychologically disturbed, they'd say it wasn't them. It's like, that's, wow, okay. That's almost the uh, the attractive quality of a, a Luciferian or a satanic figure is that for a lot of us coming into metal for the first time and trying to wrap our heads around it, seeing, yeah. you know, bands that really represent this character and saying, I contain evil, or I contain the love for humanity and its mistakes. And yes, that is it. And that, I, I don't know about you, uh, but that's definitely something that I find attractive about that style of music and, and the satanic imagery that goes with it. It's completely. And you know, if you look at, if you look at Arvia, you know, I put Lucifer on the front of Arvia. Lucifer was the light bringer. Lucifer's uh, job or task was given, you know, you, you, you to bring knowledge to man, you bring light. Light is knowledge, you know. It's uh, when there's only black, is there any knowledge? Mm. There's only black, which means there's no knowledge. Which means when you're denouncing the knowledge by not accepting that you're part of that, and part of the knowledge, part of the Luciferian, or certainly my uh, Luciferian way, and 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 in that true sense of a lucifer is is um that the knowledge is you 
you are the knowledge. He's giving you your knowledge. And that's not only that you have to put the tea bag in before you put the hot water in, or, you know, you don't go and stay at that house after 11 o'clock at night. It's not stuff like, oh, you can't park your car there or they'll give you a ticket. It's about your self-aware. Who am I? Do I need, am I, am I a half light? Am I a no light? Am I full light? What do I need from other people? Do I feed off other people's energy or do I give to other people's energy? But if you know yourself, you know, you know everything you need to know and then you can conduct because then you make the right choices. Then you can uh, um, follow your path. Um, whichever path that is and go, you know, it's about the discernment between good and bad. Um, um, you don't transgression anybody, you know, in, in the satanic, you, you know, even Levere for all the talk about his hokey pokey and stuff. But, you know, one of the tenets, you know, you don't, you don't need to rape, you don't need to kill, you don't need to be no bad to people. Um, they tell you how you want to be. If you came on here, and you are welcoming, I'm welcoming. If you come on and you're not welcoming, I'm not welcoming. Uh, you know, if, if I meet you in a bar and you're open and you're friendly, I'm open and I'm friendly. If you're not, I'm not. What happens is that as soon as that happens, you as an individual blame them for being an arsehole or a, whatever, but actually you're the one promoting that. I'm only the reflection of how you are with me. So yeah. I try and be open and as friendly with everybody. If they don't respond to that and they decide their choices to be this way, then I'll act accordingly. But because I know myself, uh, I don't have to feel responsible for that. But most people want to want to bulk responsibility. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. You are, you are, you are. It's not my fault. Whereas if you go, that was my fault, you're accepting you're accepting it. So now I've said it's my fault and they go, I know it's your fault. They go, right, so how do we move forward from this to make it so that it doesn't happen again? So the choices next time are better choices. Or I am aware of the choices and it's a better choice for me, but it may not be for you, but I'm considering the one, not the many. So, you know, I think on all those, those levels, it's uh, it's interesting. No, brilliantly put. Um... Yeah, I completely agree with where you're coming from. Uh, I'm conscious of time here. And I think you'll have another yes. one soon. The one thing yeah. I did want to touch on is that um, through Venom and your music, you've seen the rise and fall of entire genres in the time period. And I'm just curious, are there any uh, are there any bands along the way that have really stood out to you or anyone today up and coming that really you think they're getting it right or they catch your ear? Well, it's, you know, there's so, there's so much, there's so much richness. And I, I'm not balking and picking any particular bands of um, Amazing Mal Desecrator, who are closing the end of their part of this career soon in Australia and, and going to have a great show in Sydney and stuff. And we toured with them, amazing band, but they decided they've come to their uh, fruition. We took a banner from uh, Japan Survive, who are now they're on hold and moving on to something else. But for every band that you think is great and just misses a bit, there's another one that comes through. And I think, you know, right across the spectrum, you know, from uh, death metal, black metal, hardcore, grindcore, you know, you know, you're looking at, you know, I can still go and see Nepal. Okay, I can't see Motorhead, but I can see Ozzy. You know, I could see Sabbath. I could see Motorhead before he went. Um, 
But in the meantime, I could say Behemoth, Abbas, uh, you know, dog, funeral, uh, 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 decapitation, suffocation, obituary. Uh, I can go and say testament, Metallica, Exodus. I can go, you know, I can go and say Volsum or, 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 or Dust Mold or, or Ultraviolence. I can go and say Torture Squad, Arch Enemy, uh, uh, Crypta, Nervosa, all female bands. It's like, oh my God, it's like, it's almost like we went from you know, having a box of chocolates with the orange cream, the coffee cream, to now we've got like a quality street, which has got anything in there. And it's like, wow. And it's like, how much can you eat? You know, three days at UK Death Fest, which is the American uh, uh, Death Festival uh, they do in Maryland. And they were planning to do it in the UK in London and it got delayed for two years. Anyway, it happened the other weekend, and uh, I went down. Uh, Eric and Christine Cutler from uh, Eric from uh, Autopsy said, oh, hey, "She said you're going to come down, and we've got passes for you." So I went down, and I hung out with like you know nuclear salt with John and Dan, and and then Tom uh, doing his Hellhammer trying for death thing. I go Cavalero was there, you know. Uh, Dave Ingram back in addiction, <clears throat> and everybody in between, you know, a million young bands that, that I and you just realize, wow, there's so much diversity, there's so much richness. And it was rammed everywhere, three venues, from a small pub to the electric ballroom, you know, famous famous by T-Rex, Bowie, The Pistols, and The Underworld, you know, which is a classic venue. And I just thought, wow. And the week before I'd been there watching Exciter and Blitzkrieg, for fuck's sake, you know, Brian Russ, the original Blitzkrieg. And, and I'm just going, wow. And, and seeing a lot of the same faces, you know, so it's like, wow, across the planet. I'm very fortunate to go across the planet. Uh, no Raza, you know, uh, from Colombia, amazing. And uh, Witch Burner and uh, Midnight. And you got to just, it's a whole cornucopia of just the most amazing stuff. And so, yeah, the diversity is brilliant. I think the, uh, it's the best time to be here because everybody is creating. And it seems to be even better musicians all the time because you know, you listen to those artists and you learn their structure and then you take that forward. So it's another progression, another progression, another progression. It's like, wow, it just doesn't end. And it's so exciting. Yeah. No, exactly. All right. Thank you very much for your time, Tony. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, we hope to see you back over here in Australia soon. Fingers crossed. That was brilliant, Ken. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for letting me be on the first one. And, and that was oh. really great. I'm Jordan Sibris, and you've been listening to the Shred Is Not Dead podcast. If you've made it this far, give us a follow on Spotify and come back next week to hear us talk to Frontier ahead of their Australian tour.